The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stocky. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Nickel X, and it's all in the name. It's a sulfide nickel explorer in WA, quite focused on nickel, and just picked up, uh, well, quite recently picked up an interesting project. And to bring us up to speed on what's going on there and what the plan is, we have Tony Donahue with us today. Now, Tony is a contracted as an exploration manager slash consultant. He's well known in the nickel world, uh, nickel and copper world, uh, exploration uh, game. So there'll be an interesting discussion, I'm sure. Now, Nickel X trades under the code NKL. Uh, IPO'd in May 21. And one of the things Garen Power likes about it is because it's a, a newbie on the ASX, it's got a very modest market cap of around $10 million, fully diluted, trading at around 5.9 cents at the moment and as i say active on the ground so with that i'll say g'day tony welcome to the podcast thank you barry um pleasure to be here now tony um the the company is as i mentioned uh, quite new to the asx and um it's been uh, very active on the ground but the focus now is all on this uh, project you've picked up called dal uh up there in the northern wheat belt um it's a uh, 140 kilometres northeast of Julemar, and the focus is just like Julemar, of course, is the uh, copper nickel PGEs. So tell us what the state of play at Dalwallanu uh, is. Since uh, acquiring the project uh, late last year, we've conducted a detailed magnetic drone magnetic survey over the project to to bring out the. the Geology uh, in the bedrock uh, to add a greater detail, obviously being the wheat belt, it's uh, covered in fields, uh, some small amount of forestry and the outcrop is few and far between. So, so we did the detailed magnetics, paired that with some geochemistry that had been done in the past and out of that popped what appeared to be a particularly favourable horizon uh, that we can trace in the, in the magnetic data and the geochemistry along that was uh, quite good, uh, getting kicks for nickel, copper, and for PGEs, which is the very interesting part for this style of target that we're chasing. And so we've now recently gone back over four target areas that we've identified, done detailed infield geochemistry, uh, auger over the top of that on 50 meter by 50 meter grid. And those samples are sitting in the laboratory as we speak. Uh, the next step uh, for us out there is we're programming to do ground electromagnetic survey uh, at the end of this month and get out there and see if we can light up any conductors associated with massive nickel sulfides. Right. Now, has the um, project always been considered a perspective for nickel copper PGA or is it something you guys have worked up? It, it has been considered in the past uh, to be perspective in the area. Uh, there has been some results uh, floating around from previous work that have been done. Uh, similar to the Western Yulgarn story, uh, the Western Yulgarn uh, results, some of those have been sitting out there for decades, but it's only with the significance of the Julimar discovery that it suddenly popped it to the forefront of everyone's mind uh, that this is a very prospective belt for large tonnage nickel copper PGE deposits. Right. So you're in the wheat belt there. I'm just wondering what the relationship with the farmers is like. 
Uh, excellent, excellent. The, the vendor of the project uh, to Nicolex has built up those relationships. And so at the time being, we're, we have that person in heavily involved with negotiations with the landowners. Uh, and it's a very favourable relationship. They don't mind us working there. There's uh, standard access agreements in place. And so we aim obviously to, to keep those relationships in good standing and uh, do the right thing by everybody. Right, great to hear. And uh, native title, not an issue. Uh, no, native, native title isn't an issue uh, in this part because of those uh, farming titles that cover the land at the moment. Right, great. So you can crack on with things. So as we speak at the moment, are you on the ground there? Uh, we just finished up our geochemistry program last week. And so the samples were submitted. And like I said, we're now mobilising the geophysical crew. So in two weeks' time, we expect to have them on the ground uh, covering those same four target areas with ground moving loop EM. Is it right that uh, some of your geochem results have been uh, as good as people have seen in the West Yorkshire? Well, particularly in the PGEs. Uh, we have um, you know, some values around 400 and 500 ppm for nickel, 800 ppm for copper. But in the PGEs, we're getting 70-odd you know, ppb platinum palladium. And uh, in terms of wheat belt geochemistry in the past on some of the more well-known projects out there, this one stands out. Uh, it's, it's very high compared to what's been historically done on some of the projects that are now up and running and drilling, et cetera. So, so that's what got us very excited uh, on this, is that the high PGE kicks, because that's very unusual for uh, a typical green uh, fields project for nickel in the, the Yulgarn. Most of the Yulgarn deposits are actually relatively PGE poor, except for now the Western Yulgarn province, which is quite PGE rich. So, so that's what has sparked our interest to a great extent. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the uh, Chalice Discovery at uh, Jewelamar, the uh, West Yorgarn is pretty busy. I was just wondering, are you guys uh, out there by yourself in the northern wheat belt, or are there other explorers in that part of the world looking for deposits? Um, there are other people around. Um, we're not out there alone. Uh, in, in the particular area that we are, the, you have the, the what's termed the Barra Barra Greenstone Belt, and that's uh, on the, the scheme of things, a, a more of an isolated greenstone belt. The others are more off towards the southeast. But like I said, with, with, with the geochemistry of the area, we think it's, uh, it's a red-hot crack. And so um, that isolation probably works a bit more in our favour in that if we, if we do turn up something good, um, then, you know, we're the sole player in that region. Yeah, just like Jorma was. Uh, Chalice was at Jorma. Um, yes. Okay, so you're in the... An easy way of saying it is you're uh, zoning in on uh, some high-priority drill targets. Uh, you've got a, a number of them. Uh, are they in a localised part of the, uh, the Greenstone Belt? We, we have, with the detailed magnetics and, the, and pairing that with the geochemistry that had previously been done, we appear to have a, a highly magnetic strata. Now, we think that that's a banded iron formation. We don't think that's part of any electromagnetic complex. But sitting just outside of that banded iron formation, which is tightly folded, we have now four targets that consistently sit just outboard of that, iron, that um, magnetic high associated with the banded iron formation and consistently uh, on, on strike on both sides of this folded structure. So, so that leads us to believe that we may be dealing with a seal-like body that's, that's sitting underneath that banded iron formation and being deformed around the regional fold structure with it. Now, we previously thought we had about six kilometres of strike of the Barabara Greenstone Belt in that area, but if our, if our interpretation is correct and it is folded stratigraphy, then we've just doubled that. And then we have other structures sitting off to the west that have never been tested, which we have the same corresponding magnetic high feature. 
And uh, we've got to run some geochemistry across that as well and see if we can turn up similar anomalism in the horizon that's sitting below that. Um, no, I'm joking here. The uh, access is, uh, well, you've got the farmers on side and native title's not an issue, but uh, you're just off the Great Northern Highway, aren't you? Uh, yeah, so we're we're thirty kilometres to the to the east of uh, the town of Dalwalanu, which is a good services centre, and uh, we're just off the Great Northern Highway. So access to this part of the world is not a problem at all, uh, not compared to working like, some other areas such as uh, you know Capricorn Origin or sitting out in the Musgraves Province or down in the Albany Fraser. Uh, access here is really easy. Big question, I guess, for investors will be: Well, okay, when do we uh, get to see some holes put into these uh, targets? Well, obviously, we've got to go through um, the approvals process and uh, what have you, so programs of work, uh, landholder access around drilling. Um, but if we can get the, the geophysics done at the end of this month, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to move through that really quickly, given the access, uh, we would be forming drill plans on targets identified from that straight away, uh, moving to permitting on those specific areas. So I would say by... End of Q2, I would imagine that we would be either on the ground drilling or well advanced with plans and ready to go. Right, and Q2 being June quarter, we're talking about, or March? Uh, yeah, yeah, by, by the end of end, end of June quarter at the very latest, because there, there doesn't seem to be a great issue at the moment with contractor availability for drilling. Uh, there's various drill companies out there at the moment that have availability. So, um, so from that aspect of things, it'll just be a matter of how quickly we can get our ducks in a row and get the POWs in place with the with the government. Yeah, uh, interesting, Tony. You mentioned the availability of contractors. Uh, we all thought it was uh, school shortages and boom, 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 and no one could get rigs, but it's easing up, is it? Yeah. It, it? It has been easing up over the last few months. Yes. What do you think's behind that? Uh, I think. Um, the current economic situation has got some people being cautioned with, uh, cautious with exploration expenditure uh, at the present time. And so, so some programs are either being scaled back or being postponed uh, until a later date. And so uh, I think there is now a slight easing in contractor availability. They're still busy, but yeah. uh, not, not so busy that you're talking uh, you know, a, a two-week window, four months in advance to try and book that. Target zones, how deep will these holes have to be? Well, um, if we're getting active geochemistry at surface, then that, of course, is suggesting that the mineralisation may be subcropping uh, beneath the, the, the relatively thin cover. I would expect that would be relatively near surface. We certainly won't be talking about a deep drilling program. And with the surface EM, obviously, it'll come out of, it comes out of that where the heart of the system is if we do get conductive plates and how we model those plates, they'll very much suggest. But um, I should imagine we'd be talking uh, drill programs less than 500 metres in depth for, to, to hit target. And I see the company raised uh, some money uh, in, I think, uh, November last year or last year at some point. And at the end of the uh, last quarter, had almost $5 million in the bank. So that's, uh, it's a well-funded uh, company for this push. Yes, uh, the, the, the board of the company has done a good job of, of keeping the, the cash uh, for, for exploration work on the ground. And also, um, I'm sure Matt Gorsey, the managing director, would point out uh, Nick Lex has very much a, a two-phase approach to things, uh, exploring on the ground, getting boots on the ground, uh, getting the drill rods turning, uh, doing the exploring, but also uh, having a corporate agenda as well, which they're open to other opportunities and evaluating other projects. And, and we are always on the go evaluating opportunities outside our current portfolio. So, so um, I'm sure Matt would... If he was here present today as part of this podcast, he'd be very quick to point out that we have a two-pronged approach to these sorts of things. 
and you need the cash in the bank to be able to exercise that sort of strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the initially, the uh, company uh, when it IPO'd uh, Cosmos South, the Luna Greenstone Belt was uh, the priority. What, uh, what's the story there now? Uh, actually, with, with, with the IPO that was done predominantly on Fraser Range projects, uh, just um, to the north east of of uh, Tropicana Gold Mine, um, so right. we did exploration on the, we did exploration on the ground there. Uh, gold potential on the ground there was always known, but what was probably lesser known was uh, there were some intrusive air complexes and some previous work done by other explorers that indicated some nickel potential. Uh, so that was the, the flagship project. We did the exploration programs there. We hit the right rocks, but unfortunately didn't hit any mineralization. And uh, and what mineralization we did hit and explain the conductors that we were targeting, unfortunately, were barren of nickel sulfide. Uh, but there is still gold potential on that ground, and there's still uh, programs being evaluated there to, to further the gold uh, endowment of that region. Uh, the Cosmos South project, that was a later addition. Uh, and again, we had a, a really good conductor that had been turned up by the previous uh, holders of that project. So we got the drill on the ground there and again, uh, hit uh, more sulfide than you can shake a stick at, but it turned out to be again, barren of nickel. Uh, we thought there may have been opportunity for gold there given the proximity to the Bellevue gold mine and the sulfide hosted gold that they have there. But, but it turns out from the assay results, there wasn't any gold in that sulfide as well. So a, a technical success. Uh, we drilled a conductor, we hit this, lots of sulfide, but unfortunately um, a, a failure from an economic point of view that there wasn't anything there of interest in the metals we're looking for. Yeah, okay. Interesting that um, quite often I see junior companies start up, uh, they have a project, uh, they fall in love with it and don't leave it for many years, run out of money, and then you wonder what they're going to do next. But uh, Nickel X seems to be prepared to uh, rotate through projects until they uh, you know, get on one that uh, has got the goods. And uh, I guess the hope is that uh, Del One is uh, that could be that project. Well, the, the, the thing is to, to get hold of projects that are relatively early data stage, but what data there is has promise and has a technical merit. Uh, then test it with some very clear key decision points in mind uh, how to protect shareholders' money. Uh, and if the key decision point turns up a negative, then you do have to be prepared to say, well, we've, we've gave it a good crack. All the indications were there, but unfortunately, Mother Nature played a hand against us and uh, it wasn't there in the end. Uh, and then evaluate the next opportunity that has technical merit, early stage, easy access to get into from a, from a corporate and physical point of view and uh, shift the focus to that and uh, do the work required to get to the next key decision point. And hopefully that one is going to be favourable and, and keep going. And uh, Tony, you're well known in the nickel and copper exploration uh, world. Uh, how do you rate this, this particular property? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't be in this game if I wasn't an optimist. Uh, you, you, can't be a pe you can't be a pessimist in exploration um, and you, you never know until you get out there and explore. I think uh, from the geochemistry point of view, just the, the platinum grades alone in the soil geochemistry is highly unusual. Uh, so, so I think we get out there, we do the work, uh, we keep a very clear vision in our mind of what it is we're looking for. And um, it's, it what, it's the thrill of the hunt. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning uh, to get out there, do the exploration and hopefully turn over the next big one. So uh, you'd be the guy to explain to the average uh, punter, investor, um, I noted that uh, this uh, you're 150 kilometres northeast of Julema. You just explain to people when we talk about the West Yilgarn and this, uh, the extent of it for 
prospectivity for Julemar style deposits. What is it about that West Yilgarn that makes it so attractive? Well, um, globally, uh, nickel copper PG deposits of, of, of this style, they're associated with uh, historically uh, from exploration what's been found and now there's pretty good scientific theory as to why the margins of the older cratonic masses in the world. And the Yilgarn is one of the oldest cratonic masses in the world. Right. And so in, internally within the Yilgarn, we've got the Agnew, uh, Norseman, Greenstone Belt, and the various Campbell and Mount Keith, um, Leinster, nickel deposits of that. Those deposits are lined up along what at the time of formation was a continental cratonic margin. Now, the West Yilgarn area uh, is presently the margin of the Yilgarn, but also historically at the time of formation of these things, some 2.6 billion years ago, whenever it was, exactly, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, it was, it was the margin of an older cratonic element even back then. And wow. so, so the, these older cratonic margins is what focuses the, the magma that goes through the crust. You have to understand to, to form a nickel and uh, particularly a PGE-rich deposit, you need to funnel a lot of magma through that part of the crust. You're taking what would be 10 to 100 ppm nickel in a magma, and you're focusing that nickel into one to 10%. So you're several orders of magnitude of concentration. And to get that amount of concentration and form a large deposit, you have to have extracted that nickel out of a lot of magma. So, so you need something crustal scale that's going to funnel that magma that comes up from the Earth's mantle up through the Earth's crust. And so these large regional structures on the older platonic margins is that focus mechanism. So that's what makes these areas particularly interesting. And uh, what uh, changed people's perceptions about Julemar was, um, or the, the, the Western Yilgarn was, uh, the Geoscience Australia put out a, a nickel fertility uh, cratonic element map of, uh, of Australia as a whole, and this particular part of the Western Yilgarn lit up in their um, their, their highlighting of, of nickel fertile regions for, to explore. And so, so the, the Chalice guys, hats off to them and all credit to them, decided to go in there, have a look at the historic records, pick up some areas that they thought were interesting, and then you know, next thing you know, you, you've got a, a billion dollar market cap company. So, yeah. so that's what that's what uh, really good science behind the reason why they were there, and that's the reason for the science is these big fundamental structures that focus magma flow. And now, with everyone else that's exploring in there, we do understand that we have you know, a lot of these intrusions along that cratonic margin. And so, we're hoping that where we are here is going to be part of that system as well. So, your gut feel is that there'll be more dual Mars out there to be found. Um, whether there's more more the same size as Julemar, that that would be, of course, the the literally the $64 million question. But uh, I, I would be very surprised if there aren't more deposits along that. Nickel deposits uh, tend to form in camps. Um, you know, Norilsk's the big one. There's something like seven mineralized intrusions that go together to form the, the various Norilsk deposits. Um, you look at uh, the Thompson Belt, that's you know stretched out over something like 140 kilometers with mineralization along it. Uh, and then the whole Thompson Belt itself, you know, that goes for thousands of kilometres around the margins of the Superior com um, continent in North America. Uh, various others, the Duluth complex, several mineralized intrusions associated with that. So these things do form camps, and so it's very unusual in a very well nickel endowed belt for there just to be one isolated deposit. There's typically several, and so that's what everyone's now looking for uh, along the Western Yulgarn are the other belts that in that other other deposits that help to make up that camp. 
Well, exciting times to be uh, exploring for those sort of targets, obviously. And as I mentioned earlier, with a $10 million fully diluted uh, sort of market cap, uh, leverage to some uh, exploration results coming in. We'll, we'll see. So just on that point, uh, let's bring it all together and give investors a feel for when you'll be drilling and when uh, we should be looking out for some results. Okay, well, as I said, uh, the, we'll be doing the surface geophysics at the end of this month. Uh, we've penciled in uh, a date. Uh, the contractors getting them lined up to get out there. So there'll be news flow associated with them getting on the ground and also news flow associated with the results. Uh, that's at the end of this month. And then after that, it'll be a matter then of getting the, the requisite permitting in place to be able to out there, get out there, get the drill on the ground and get it turning. So, so the news flow during that second quarter along those fronts of when we expect to be on the ground and drilling. And then once we're drilling, of course, uh, the results flow out of that. And I get the distinct impression in the background there, the company continues its business development uh, development sort of uh, investigations looking for. I've been working with the Nicolas guys uh, since listing, and I can tell you uh, on the corporate front, they don't stand still. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. al there's always opportunities being evaluated. And just be, uh, to make sure people don't think uh, Matt Gorse is uh, missing in action, he's I think he was at the PDAC conference, is that right? Uh, yes, he's, Matt's, Matt's currently PDAC, so uh, we had some communications this morning, his evening, my morning here. And uh, so he expects to be back in the country over the weekend. And uh, I think we'll be heading out uh, there um, later next month to have a look and see how we're going with the geophysics. Tony, you've given us a great rundown on the company and plus the uh, geology of the West Yilgar, so appreciate all that. So um, with that, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. All right, well, thank you very much for the opportunity to have a chat, Barry. Greatly appreciate it.